T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Well, happy St. Patty's Day, St. Patrick's Day. Want to be formal. Joe Beamer's here. Uh, we are Hardline, and uh, we're joining you uh, today on a Sunday. Talking politics, we've got a, a busy show. We're going to have the chair of the Democratic Party in New York State in the second hour, in the first hour. We're going to cover this protest that's outside of Bishop Malone. Now, he he did not want to walk in the St. Patrick's Day parade. Does anyone in Western New York blame him? Uh, I don't think... I think that was a wise decision. It seems that everywhere Bishop Malone goes, there has to be some response to what really is not a a Bishop Malone problem. It is a Catholic Church issue. Of course, we're talking about the uh, abuse of of so many uh, people uh, that were alleged to have been abused by priests of the Catholic Church, what the church did. Some of these uh, stories go back as far as 50, 60 years. Uh, Bishop Malone, obviously, under the microscope, huge spotlight on him locally uh, as the, uh, uh, you know, being held accountable for things that happened uh, uh, before his watch when he was here uh, at the diocese. Recently sold his home. Uh, and and again, over a million dollars uh, went to his home, and it went to victims uh, of these uh, uh, allegations of abuse. So, you know, doing his best to walk the walk, it seems that he's he's really winning. No one on the other side, a very tough spot to be in. But we are going live right now to this protest. Uh, and who are you there, sir, James? Yeah, this is James. Yep. Okay, we have James uh, Faluzak uh, from, you live in Buffalo, uh, but you you bring uh, to me a tremendous amount of credibility uh, to this entire story. Not only uh, did you, uh, do you claim to have gone through the abuse from a Catholic priest, but you yourself served as a Catholic priest. That's correct. For 18 years uh, in the Diocese of Erie, after having gone through seminary formation here in Buffalo at, at Christ the King Seminary, um, can I can I just say difficult for yeah. yes? No, I, I just want to say that 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 such an interesting perspective because not only you know ha, do you 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 understand the the workings of the church. So many of these allegations are coming from children. There's really no understanding of the machinations of what goes on in the church. You have experience, uh, and I'm so sorry that you have experience as a victim, but you also have the experience of, of understanding the way the church works. Yes, thank you. And, and your appreciation that I approach this as a victim suggests, you know, a humanity on your part. The, um, you know, a lot of folks don't want to, you know, take their heads out of the sand and deal with this this historic tragedy in, in our midst. But I was simply a rank and file priest. I Yes, I had been abused as a teenager, but I brought three allegations to 
uh, my bishop in Erie, uh, Bishop Troutman, Bishop Persico now serving there, Bishop Malone in Buffalo, the allegation that I brought about Joe Gatto, Father Joe Gatto, but I also took those allegations directly to Pope Francis uh, in August and was never replied to by any of them in any meaningful way. And, and that's what I knew mostly as a rank-and-file priest. I think every ordinary priest uh, is familiar with uh, this tragedy. And that's why, you know, I, to my mind, I'm not in a special position because I wasn't in diocesan administration. I can't imagine what these people know who are close to the bishop every day and, and having to contend with this cover-up when even the bishop's secretary has acknowledged that he is a victim of this. Um, and, and that's my point, is that I think rank-and-file priests have yet in Buffalo to, to stand up um, and, and call their bishop to accountability. There's been a, a handful, but not nearly enough. You know, James, when I when I say alleged allegations, I just want to preface that yes. I mean no disrespect to you and the pain that you've gone through. I'm, I'm only I saying that. I understand that completely, okay. and I try to use the same language, yes. Uh, uh, so I, I mean no disrespect when I say that. You know, we uh, most of America just got through watching this documentary on Michael Jackson, Leaving Neverland. And one of the things that I think we saw uh, through two individuals that have gone through extreme trauma, alleged extreme trauma, is that... Yeah. There's a grooming process that occurs with these predators and their victims. Even though you went through this trauma that I'm sure is has affected your life, you still made a decision to become a priest. Do you yes. do you believe that that decision that you made personally was it an effort to change what happened to you? Was this an effort to say the church and God are are still important in my life even though these horrible things happened? Could you explain that? Yes, it, absolutely. Well, first of all, as as a child victim, it was almost impossible for me to even acknowledge to myself the severity, the nature of of what happened to me. And so it took me decades, really, to come to grips with it, um, just internally, let alone to talk about it publicly. Um, but and, and that's really typical, I think, um, really for all victims. And so, yes, I was groomed, um, and I, I think all Catholics are groomed. I think the congregations are groomed um, to, to be able to, you know, to accept this. This has gone on for decades and, and it's still accepted um, because the church has been lulled in a certain, in a certain way, rocked uh, to sleep. I still to this day, you know, believe in, in God and I believe in the validity of my call. Aside from what Martin did to me, I still believe that, that Christ shared his priesthood with me and that's irrevocable. Um, and, and having that vocation in this church really presented me with, um, you know, a huge struggle in how do I live out that call when I can't even be healthy in this church and this church won't listen to the allegations that I bring. You know, you know, when uh, w when you look at the, the horror of this entire scandal, the one thing that I, I very much appreciate Did is we that... Lose? Did I lose you guys? No, no. Can you hear me? Are you still there, James? Uh, we'll, we'll try to work out that technical difficulty with James. Uh, but w one of the things that I, I think is important here is that w with James in particular... You know, so many people have turned against the church because of, and I, I can't even argue if something this 
traumatic and horrible happens to you at a young age, you internalize that act that occurred to you. And because this is a member of the cloth, because this is someone you trust and because your parents send you to this church, it's now you almost want to judge the Catholic Church. You almost want to judge God. You almost want to go against the teachings of Christ because you connect those moments when you were worshiping or you were part, you know, participating in the Catholic Church with just outrageous pain and suffering. And in James's case, is he still with us, James? Yes, yes, I am. Well, I was just going on to explain that I, I felt it's, it's. I'm, I'm fascinated by the fact that you can separate the horrible way that you were treated and what you endured and still maintain your relationship with with God uh, and and that you can separate the fact that this was evil you can almost say satanic you could say this is not of God what happened to you and you're still able to say that you have a very real problem with the people that did this to you and the folks that hid other people that are doing this to other people but the church and God, that, that's still a place where you respect and, and you have uh, devotion. I, I do, and it's no easy thing. It's not that I can keep any kind of distinct separation, and, and it's that, you know, the interplay between my vocation and my abuse that really made it impossible for me to continue as a priest. But you're correct. I don't mean any disrespect to ordinary people in the pews, who are struggling with their relationship with God and trying to do the right thing in, in their professional and in their family lives every day. Um, you know, I, I'm watching the, this struggle in the lives of ordinary Catholics who, you know, have taken the church at its word for so long and are discovering that this isn't just a historic problem in Buffalo, but it's, it's constitutive really of the entire church. It's in the DNA of the church. There's documentary evidence going back to 380 AD of the church having to struggle with this issue. So Catholics were were kind of in a catch-22. And so while I don't want to see people leave the church, I understand why somebody would do it for their, simply for their health. Now, you, you served as a Catholic priest for 20 years, and two of those years, you served in the same congregation as uh, one of your alleged abusers. What was that f- experience like? Was there, d- was there ever a moment that you confronted that individual, even though you're, you're still, I mean, it's got to be just, you know, we talk about work cl- workplace, you know, discrimination, violence, all the different things that some people go through. This is almost at an, a level of, uh, it's almost like a, a, a movie when you consider the fact that, you know, how do you deal with that? How do you compartmentalize your job, your faith, your duty, and also the fact that this is a predator who destroyed your youth? I didn't have the strength to confront Father Martin before he died in 2006. And one of the ways that I coped uh, in ministry, uh, actually, was by drinking very heavily and uh, experimenting with some other substances as a form of emotional triage. 
Um, I served in, at Elk County Catholic High School for four years. It was one of my very first assignments in St. Mary's, Pennsylvania. Father Martin built that school, and so for four years, his ghost, in a, sen in a sense, was wandering the halls. When I was pastor in Kersey, Pennsylvania, Martin had been there as pastor for two years, and I probably slept in the same bed that he slept in. I certainly slept in the same bedroom that he had slept in when he was pastor there decades before. So, yeah, it wasn't even just him haunting me, so to speak. It was people like Bishop Donald Troutman, who was so familiar with Martin's abuse and kept him in ministry. Um, I was molested by Martin when he was in restricted ministry. I had no idea. So, um, w w James, what do you say to the people that that say, you know, this is a dead man. He can't defend himself. Uh, we, we talk about the monetary you know, compensation. Uh, New York State just passed a law that allows people to go back and sue. There are people that look at this as, well, this is a money grab. This is why wouldn't you confront someone while they were alive? Why do you wait until you're dead? What is the answer that you give to people that, that question that? Well, Father Martin is dead, but I am alive. And I'm trying my very best to reconstitute my life, uh, to recapture years that I lost. I haven't given very much consideration up to this point about monetary compensation, although I have certainly fought for that for others. Money cannot restore what I lost. And it's very rare, in fact, it's only when we have the compensation plan or uh, a, a victim wants to force discovery in court, now they can do that with, through the Child Victims Act, that there's really ever a discussion about money. We, we victims rarely ever talk about it. Well, James, um, I, I, James, I don't mean to. I don't mean to make you defensive. What I'm, what I'm trying to get into is that. Oh no, no, no! Uh, you're, you're not. I'm okay. just trying to let you know that the is culture it, but it, among the victims, we don't really think that way. And I understand the perception. And I've been asked that question. Yeah, you know, is this a money grab? And he's dead. But, but did you did yeah, you it's feel a valid question? I understand. But but James, is there a sense of shame? Is there a sense of if I make these statements public? I'm taking down the very institution that I dedicated my life to. If I erode mm -hmm. the trust of the church, somehow I'm eroding my own credibility. Are, were these the things that you were thinking about at the time, you know, when you were serving as a priest? I was thinking simply that I loved the church and that at every turn I was trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, I was not in a hurry to tell Bishop Troutman that what had happened to me. And he ultimately was the one who initiated the conversation. I did not. And um, when he asked me how many times Father Martin molested me, I said 15. He said I was lucky that it only happened to me 15 times. Jim, usually it's much more than that. Um, so, I, I, like I say, I tried to give the church the benefit of the doubt because of everything that, that we believe about it. But then this is what these men of God, these successors to the apostles, supposedly, that's their response. And it just made it impossible to, well, James, know, to remain in the priesthood and be credible, frankly. What was the, the moment of clarity that a light switch went off when you said, I'm no longer going to be the person that falls on this grenade for the church. I'm no longer going to hide these secrets. This is a story. You felt that you were empowering other victims to come forward. What was that moment 
when did that happen? Well, the moment when I, I think that I felt empowered to help other victims was when I went to testify before the Pennsylvania grand jury in 2016. Um, but as I, as I mentioned that I spoke to Bishop Troutman about these matters in 2010, and I waited a couple years and we got a new bishop and I thought, well, maybe Bishop Persico will be different and I'll give him, you know, a chance. And when it came time to talk to him about it, he was just not only disbelieving, but just completely insensitive. And because of the grand jury, he's been forced to acknowledge the truth of this. He styled himself as being somehow proactive and transparent and different from the other bishops. But that wasn't my experience with him, and he was just further proof that, that my remaining would be untenable. You know, your St. Patrick's Day is a day that you chose to do this protest while Bishop Malone is giving a mass. Was there a reason why you chose St. Patrick's Day? Would you do this on Easter or is Easter considered a holiday that you would not disrespect the church or the religion? You're choosing St. Patrick's Day, which really doesn't have a whole lot of, you know, theological weight to it. Is that why you chose today? I came forward publicly for the first time last year on St. Patrick's Day. I had intended to stand here with Bob Hotson and hold a sign, and I received a question from a reporter, and, and I felt compelled to say that I was a victim, and that's, that's what started my, you know, this public stance. So I'm here today essentially uh, to acknowledge an anniversary and to say here we are after one year of this work in public, and we still have a bishop who has the same portfolio of cover-up as his uh, mentor, Cardinal Law in Boston, 17 years ago, this is still going on in the present. And, and Cardinal Law was required to resign, but Bishop Malone isn't. And so, yeah, we're here to acknowledge in a certain way, you know, a year's worth of effort to raise awareness uh, you know, in, in the public. James, I'm really sorry for what you went through, and I really hope you find uh, healing and closure and you can uh, help do the same for other people. Well, I'm most grateful for your persistence in reporting this. Thank you. All right, you take care. That's James uh, Felusek. Uh, he is now uh, holding a rally on the anniversary of the day he came out to announce what happened to him when he was younger. He's a former priest. He has a lot of credibility. He understands the church, uh, and he still has his allegiance to the church and to God. And he just wants to make sure other people in his cir circumstance never have to experience it again. And those who have gone through it can get some sort of closure and healing. We are going to take a break. We come back. We'll have more Hardline right after this. Welcome back to Hardline. Thank you, Alan Harris. Thank you, Joe Beamer. That's how you do it in Radioland. <laughs> Thank you, Weezer. Hit the you post. Know, I believe Weezer's drummer was originally from Western New York. Original drummer was like from Clarence. Pete Best? No, no, different guy. <laughs> uh, at any rate... Uh, we have a lot going on in the, in the big, big program here. Uh, at 11 o'clock, we're going to have Jay Jacobs. He is the new uh, Democratic chairman of the state of New York. He runs the entire Democratic Party, hand-selected by Governor Cuomo. Uh, he also served on the Democratic National Committee under, and was actually hand-selected by Barack Obama. So, And this is his second stint. Uh, stint? I said stint, like it's a heart. It's his second stint as the uh, Democratic chair in the state of New York. It's a very difficult job, and a lot of people don't understand 
you know, one of the questions I'm going to ask Jay Jacobs is exactly what does the chairman do when the governor goes off? You have a platform of what your party stands for, but sometimes you inherit, you know, positions and policy that might not really be the best for the entire party of New York, Suffolk County, Nassau County. Little bit different terrain than Cattaraugus, Wyoming, Orleans, and Genesee County. You want to serve an entire party. You want to make sure everyone's represented. You know, how, how do you do that as chairman? A lot of questions. We'll take your calls on the Republican line, 803-0930. The Democratic line is 644-9875. That interview is coming up at 11 a.m. Don't want to miss that. Jay Jacobs, he is the uh, chairman of the Democratic Party in New York State. It doesn't get any bigger than that. We still can't get Mark Polakars on this program, but we ended up getting the New York State chairman of the Democratic Party. He seems to be unafraid to take any question from a conservative talk show host in Buffalo. Our own county executive, not so much. It's a weird, weird thing. A lot of news is breaking. Uh, of course, uh, we're still uh, dealing with the aftermath of this shooting in New Zealand and hearing a lot about, you know, just the blame game that's going across the the board. People are blaming the NRA. Now, I want want to remind you that this is not New Zealand, Texas, or New Zealand, Pennsylvania. It's actually New Zealand, where Lord of the Rings films are are made, where uh, Peter Jackson and made King Kong. Really, New Zealand, uh, a long ally of the United States, some white supremacist walks in, shoots up two mosques, 49 innocent people slaughtered, their religion, if that's the cause of the shooting, these are innocent people that are worshiping, uh, they have absolutely, there's there's zero wiggle room as to who is to blame for such an atrocity. But American gun laws have nothing to do with New Zealand. American policy has nothing to do with New Zealand. The NRA... I don't even know if they have a a New Zealand. I mean, there's no NRA in New Zealand. How could anything that's happened in the United States affect what's going on in New Zealand? Yet we're hearing a ton of of people that are trying to make that uh, that that connection. Uh, One of those people is uh, uh, just announced her candidacy. For the United States presidency, we're talking about New York State's junior senator, Kirsten Gillibrand. She made it official today with her announcement that she's running for president. Here is Tara Palameri. Recent Des Moines Register CNN poll that surveyed Iowa Democratic caucus goers, not a single respondent named her as a first choice. But in that same poll, Joe Biden, who has yet to announce his candidacy, is leading the pack. Well, not only did a single person want uh, Kirsten Gillibrand to be president, I don't even think uh, Chuck Schumer wants Kirsten Gillibrand to be president. We'll ask Jay Jacobs who his favorite is. I don't know if I think he has to basically support any New Yorker that's running in this race. Uh, But again, not a favorite, not has any real chance to become president of the United States. She, I think, like Elizabeth Warren, I think like Cory Booker, these are people running for cabinet positions. But unfortunately, with such a large field, you remember from 2016, when you have a large Republican field, they end up destroying people's careers. I mean, Jeb Bush, I saw him on CNN doing a David Axelrod interview the other day. <laughs> Jeb Bush is done. 
I mean, he's done. There, there's no, there's no second act to Jeb Bush. Uh, if you look at some of the other uh, uh, folks that that you know crawled out of that primary, they were absolutely, you know, their their careers were over because it's just a nonstop gauntlet. It's a barrage, and it's hard to recover. Now, a candidate like Donald Trump makes it a lot more difficult when he brands you as a name. And that name sticks with you forever, Jeb Bush. Uh, but here is uh, Tara Appelmeri again, more with uh, Kirsten Gillibrand. New York Senator Kirsten Gillibrand officially joined the crowded field of 2020 hopefuls, taking direct aim at President Trump in a campaign launch video titled Brave Wins. Brave doesn't spread hate, Falsehood. cloud truth, a lot of it's a build a wall. That's why I'm running for president. Yeah, and she also uh, made it official. Here is uh, some more on uh, Gillibrand's uh, announcement today. We need a leader who makes big, bold, brave choices. Someone who isn't afraid of progress. That's why I'm running for president. And it's why I'm asking you for your support. Well, here's the the issue with that brave, bold. Uh, There were images of Kavanaugh. Uh, there were uh, images of uh, Donald Trump, the wall, a lot of guns in her ad. Probably more guns than you'll ever see in a Donald Trump ad, to be totally honest with you. Uh, she made the announcement today. Now, here's what's the, the great irony. It was uh, a, exactly two weeks ago that uh, Gillibrand's entire office was rocked with a sexual harassment allegation that appears that that Kirsten Gillibrand stifled. She had a male uh, worker. It was uh, basically there was a female a woman in her 20s that was making allegations of repeated, unwanted, increasingly aggressive sexual advances towards her. This was a married staffer, uh, a male married staffer. Uh, Kirsten Gillibrand went she went through her chain of command, this woman who was accused, uh, accusing this male staffer of these unwanted, repeated, increasingly aggressive sexual advances, and it appeared that uh, there was no resolution to it. The guy stayed on on, on the job. Uh, this woman felt that she wasn't being uh, her her the allegations that she was making towards this male staffer were not believed. Remember, believe the victims. Well, what ended up happening was this woman resigned because she was so uh, frustrated. And then they did a thorough investigation after that. And it turned out that this male staffer went away. Now, did he get a settlement? Did you pay for that settlement as a taxpayer? She defended her inaction. Uh, Senator Gillibrand defended her inaction uh, by saying that there was a full and thorough investigation. But the fact remains that it was Politico's story on this uh, situation that actually resulted in the male staffer uh, being let go. Nothing in her office. They did not make any decision until Politico ran the story. And then once it was public, did they let her go to let the uh, male staffer go? Um, so again, you know, the hypocrisy just continues in real time. You've got a, a person right now, Kirsten Gillibrand was an A-rated with the NRA when she was a member of Congress. You go from an A-rated with the NRA, making the, the statement, and I quote, every bed should have a gun underneath it, is what Representative Gillibrand said when she was an elected member of Congress as a Democrat 
a blue dog Democrat, a Hillary Bill supporting uh, Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton supporting Democrat. Then she, I mean, you want to talk about the the road to Damascus? She saw the light. Bushmaster uh, approached her, and 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 she was converted to an anti-gun zealot in a period of six years. She then comes out and says Bill Clinton should have resigned for his relationship with Monica Lewinsky. And then she follows that up with ICE needs to be abolished. Now, this is in direct conflict with the Democratic Party, who basically said, we won't give the president the billions of dollars he wants for a wall. We'll give him a billion seven five, but we'll also say that there's other things we need besides a wall. Pelosi Schumer got together and the Democratic Party in uniform said, we don't need a wall. We need more ICE agents. But hold on. Almost 40 percent of the candidates running for president in 2020, they're against ICE. Not only are they against more ICE agents, they're against ICE. They don't want ICE agents. Kirsten Gillibrand drinks water without ice. She hates ice. She doesn't want ice agents. She wants to abolish the Immigration Customs Enforcement Agency. She wants to eliminate it. So not, and then you've got uh, Beto O'Rourke, who is, uh, by the way, happy St. Patrick's Day, Beto. <laughs> what is, is he Hispanic or is he uh, Irish? What is it? He's Irish, and his name is Robert. His name's Robert O'Rourke. That's right. Oh, I just thought Beto was somewhat connected to. Uh, at any rate, uh, Beto, Robert Beto O'Rourke, he wants to not only not build the wall, he wants to tear down the wall in El Paso. So everyone's running far left. We're going to talk to Jay Jacobs about how do you how do you manage a party where everyone seems to be, this is like an Oklahoma land rush. Everyone's just running and you don't really, it's like almost hurting cats at this point. But she is our junior senator. She has announced she's running for president. I think everyone universally across the country said, okay. I mean, there's really no excitement whatsoever. Kamala Harris had a huge, of, of all the candidates that have announced, Kamala Harris's opening was probably the biggest as far as this is a newcomer. Uh, obviously, this is a female. She's an African-American. Uh, she's, uh, you know, far left. She's got the soul. She's checking the boxes of everything people want to see. Bernie Sanders, you know, he's having a hard time negotiating not only his platform, he's having a hard time negotiating his shower door. He just cracked his head open and he got seven stitches on his shower door. A little Harry Reid thing going on there. But again, I don't think anyone's running away from the Bernie Sanders platform, at least his supporters. Uh, but it's just the age thing is tough. And being a white male is tough as well. So who? where is the handicap? Uh, who do you have right now? Biden? He's not in officially, but he's, you know, doing the gaffes. To, uh, yesterday he said, you know, I'm the most progressive candidate of anyone running. But then he had to backtrack and say of the people thinking about running. So Beto O'Rourke is in. You've got uh, Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren. I think they're yesterday's news. And, and Kirsten Gillibrand, obviously, I mean, you want to talk about schizophrenia. By the way, look into Kirsten Gillibrand's background. She's talking about vaping and tobacco and smoking. She's talking about guns. This was a chief counsel of Philip Morris. She she defended. It's, listen, 
It's one thing to say, let people decide what they want to put into their bodies. It's another thing when you are a chief counsel for Philip Morris, you defended cigarettes. The people versus Paul Mall. She's over there saying, you know what? These filters are pretty good. Let's go to the Republican line, 8030930. The Democrat line is 6449875. The 2020 race is shaping up. Uh, Junior Senator from New York, our very own Senator Gillibrand, has jumped in the race. Al on the cell phone. What do you think uh, Gillibrand's odds are? Um, Is that me? That's you, Al? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dave, a great show. I wanted to tell you, I'm I'm over on the east side of Rochester, but I'd rather listen to your show than um, anything local. Great show. Oh, that's very kind, Al. What do you think uh, Gillibrand's odds are? Um, I think her odds are no better than all the other wacko wingnut Democrats that are running already. Uh, you know, she's her... She doesn't have much of an identity in the other parts of the country, and 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 uh, as a Republican in New York, uh, I don't think very highly of her, to be honest with you. So, you know, I listened to Rush. Rush says this is great. Bring them all on. Bring on. They're just helping Donald Trump's reelection at this point. You know what? I'm sorry, but I have to agree with not only Rush, but your whole diagnosis of this issue, because the more people they're going to have 12 debates before we even get into 2020, they're going to have 12 debates in 2019. I mean, they're going to literally it's going to be a a bloodletting. It's interesting. You mentioned Biden. He might be the closest to a sane person uh, at this point of all of them. I, I don't know what reasonable. Um, you know, that loves this country, I don't know what reasonable person would want anything to do that can possibly take these people seriously. Well, you know, uh, B, uh, Robert Beto O'Rourke uh, just this weekend uh, released some, they found some poems that he wrote in his 20s. I can't even read the poems, I think, under FCC. They're, they're about you know, just really out there. Cows, he's talking about running over children with his car because he wants to take their joy. I mean, things, let's just put it this way. Under uh, uh, Governor Cuomo's red alert, red code, red, the new policy he just passed, Beto O'Rourke would not be able to own a gun in New York State if he wrote poems like that in high school. He would be flagged as by his teachers as being a disturbed I mean this this reads like a mass shooter and Reuters had to come out and say that they had these poems they had this he was part of a uh, uh, a hacking group uh, when he was younger and they had all of this information during the Senate race against Senator Cruz and did not use it because they didn't want to hurt his uh, Senate race against Cruz well, she, he would he would probably get the same treatment as uh, Congresswoman Omar. Uh, you know, the Democrats would run and find something to uh, cover it up. Uh, that's what it's all about. Al, appreciate your participation. Thank you for your call. That's Al on the other side of Rochester. Always great to hear from Al. Anyone, actually. We'll hear from anyone. 803-0930 is the uh, Republican line. 644-9875 is the Democratic line. Up next, we have the newly uh, elected. What, what, is, what do you do when you become a state chair? Appointed. Appointed. This is the new Democratic state chair of the great state of New York. His name is Jay Jacobs. This is his second go-around. 
uh, but he has uh, some huge influence. He runs the entire Democratic Party in New York State. We're going to have him on Hardline at 11 right after this quick break. Alan Harris has news. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.